Welcome to the Baptist Pulpit. This podcast is designed to introduce to the audience Baptist preachers, both living currently in America or across the world, and also to introduce classic speakers, men of the past. There were Baptist preachers that have inspired men like myself for years to preach the Word of God. And they also, through their preaching, highlight Baptistic principles. Thank you for tuning in to the Baptist Pulpit encourage you to go to baptistpulpit.com and then subscribe to a number of podcasts from Baptist men that are putting those out. I have three, Baptist Pulpit, Baptist Vices, Moment of Ministry. Appreciate if you subscribe to those. Our featured speaker for today is Dr. T.H. Moore. He was saved on March 19, 1996 at Mainland Baptist Church in New Jersey. He served there afterwards as a Sunday school teacher and bus ministry director and deacon. And during that time at Mainland Baptist, God called him to preach. He attended then and graduated from Northeast Baptist School of Theology, Downington, Pennsylvania. Then after graduation from that school, he served on their staff for a couple years. Then went and pastored Grace Baptist Church in Oxford, Pennsylvania from 2002 to 2007. And then he was called to pastor Capital Baptist Church in Dover, Delaware, in January of 2007, and that's where he currently is pastoring. Pray that the message will be an encouragement to you as you listen to the Baptist pulpit today. Open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. Notice verse 12. The Bible says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. The plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. And ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for this day. It's just a joy, God, to be here today. Thank you for your goodness and your grace. And Lord, we continue to pray for our nation. I pray that you place your hand of mercy upon it. Lord, I know we don't deserve a thing. But God, your mercy and grace is something you offer to us so often and freely. And so I pray, Lord, that you'd help us through these times. Lord, thank you for the folks that have come today. Lord, as I preach this message, I pray that you'd fill me afresh and anew with thy spirit. Please give me liberty in the pulpit. May your word go forth with power and clarity this morning. Please help me now, for it's in Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At Chatworth's High School in Los Angeles, there is a science teacher named Brian Rooney who is known as Mr. Memorial. 
He's been given this name because of what he's been doing. Since 1970, Brian Rooney has spent over $200,000 of his own money, retirement and savings, traveling thousands and thousands of miles, gathering information from countless cities and towns to record and document the stories of men and women who have given their lives for this country. He has, Brian Rooney has personally cataloged the stories of over 8,600 soldiers, sailors, airmen, and marines from all 50 states. Now, what has motivated Brian Rooney to do this? Why is he doing this? Why spend $200,000 of your own money? Why spend your savings and retirement to do this? Here's what motivates him. Over 40 years ago, Brian was an army medic serving in the jungles of Vietnam. While attending there in the jungles of Vietnam to a young dying soldier on the battlefield that he had never met before, Brian was leaning over the mortally wounded soldier trying to read the name of his dog tags for record's sake. As he was leaning into the man, the young soldier looked into his eyes and whispered his last two earthly words into his ears. The words were these, remember me, remember me. Brian Rooney replied, I will. Rooney later said this, it hit me at that very moment that the freedoms I enjoy were bought by the blood, tears, and death of countless men and women throughout our nation's history who whisper, remember me. He went on to say, I stand as one who has received a gift for which I have paid little from those who have paid the ultimate price to provide it for me. You see, Brian Rooney has made it his life's mission to make sure that all of us remember. Remember. You know, this weekend we are observing once again in America Memorial Day. I know it's kind of lost it, as I said a few moments ago, in the midst of all the things that are going on, but it is a day we know that originated just following the Civil War. It became an official holiday in 1971. And it is a day that has really one primary purpose in mind, just one. And it is not to mark the kickoff of the summer season. It is not to spend time with family and friends only. It is not merely to have a day off of work. You see, the primary purpose of Memorial Day is this, to remember. To remember. You know, remembering things, uh, certain things is absolutely vitally important. I think of Pastor Jeff Faggard as he began the Baptist History Preservation Society in 1997. I love what he's doing. Absolutely love it. In the past 23 years, he has given numerous Baptist history tours. He has erected 24 monuments to people like John Gano and Obadiah Holmes and John Clark, Anderson Moffat, Shubel Stearns, Isaac McCoy, Jeremiah Vardman, Alexander Whiteman, John Waller, and more. 
Uh, he's restored and maintained old meeting houses. He's restored and maintained cemeteries uh, and historical sites. Why? Why does he do this? Why does he spend all that time uh, and money? Why does he invest all of that? Well, it's simple to remember. Lest we forget, we say. You know, remembering a certain things is important for several reasons. Number one, it makes us grateful for what we have and the price that was paid for it. And number two, it confirms that those events were vitally important to where we are today. In other words, we wouldn't be where we are today if it weren't for certain people and events that happened. And then thirdly, it acknowledges that those people did not live and die in vain. That's why we remember you see, remembering, uh, remembering keeps us humble. Uh, remembering makes us grateful. Uh, remembering helps us to put things into perspective. Uh, in other words, what's truly important in life, uh, it helps us to realize that there are greater purposes for life than ourselves. There are bigger and greater causes to live for, a truth that seems to be forgotten, by the way. We live, in the, we live in the it's all about me generation. You know, when writing America the Beautiful, Samuel Ward penned in the second stanza, Oh, beautiful for heroes proved in liberating strife who more than self their country loved and mercy more than life. It's important to remember. Oh, we can remember in many ways. We can remember by making some sort of marker or visual reminder, uh, like a plaque or a stone or a picture. We can remember by recording those events that took place uh, in books or historical records. Uh, 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 we can uh, remember by rehearsing those events and the stories and the people that took place uh, to the next generation, uh, to our children and to their children. But however we do it, uh, understand this morning, what I'm trying to say is that it's vitally important to remember. You know, there are many things in the Bible, many things in the Word of God that God tells His people, those of us that know Him as Savior, uh, to remember. Things He doesn't want us to forget. You know, over 200 times in the Word of God, God's people are told to remember certain things 200 times. Uh, we find in 16 uh, times in the Word of God uh, that God's people were to do something for a memorial. Uh, do this. I want you to do this. Why? Why, God? Why do this? For a memorial. So that we remember. And so this morning I'd like to preach on that subject. God's memorial days. <laughs> Not all of them. We'll be here a while if we did. We only got an hour, you know. Anyway, what are some things that the Lord wants us to remember? This is important, because we forget so easily. And we just go on in our life and about our way, and there are certain things that, 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 we, that we forget. What are some of them? Well, let's look at some this morning. I think the first and most important thing that God desires for His children to remember is this, our deliverance. Our deliverance. 
Oh, that's why I went to Exodus chapter uh, 12. Here in Exodus chapter 12, I think you know the story. I was going to read uh, all 14 verses, but I just jumped in at verse 12 there. Uh, but in Exodus chapter 12, the children of Israel had been in Egyptian bondage for over 400 years. Now, we have no idea what that's like, those of us that live today in America. Imagine being in bondage your entire life. Uh, God describes this bondage back in chapter 1 and verse 13 and 14, where he says, And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick, and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them to serve was with rigor. It was a hard life. It wasn't an easy way. Let's remember that the Egyptian empire was the most powerful empire in the world. Uh, secular history says this, quote, For almost 30 centuries, ancient Egypt was the preeminent civilization in the Mediterranean world. From the great pyramids of the old kingdom through the military conquest of the new kingdom, Egypt's majesty has long entranced archaeologists and historians. My point is Egypt was a, a, a mammoth empire, a powerful empire. And the Israelites were in bondage to them. And it would take an act of Almighty God to change that. And he did. After four centuries of bondage, it was now time for God to deliver the children of Israel out of this bondage. And God called, it begins by calling a man named Moses to lead in this task. And Moses is sent before Pharaoh as God's representative. And he stands before that man, Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world. And on behalf of God, he says this, let my people go. Pharaoh's heart was hardened. You know the story. So God performed a series of miracle judgments. We refer to them as the ten plagues uh, uh, against Egypt in order to loosen their grip against God's people. Uh, and the final straw that broke the camel's back plague was this death of the firstborn. God declared through Moses that, that he would smite the firstborn of every single house in Egypt. But the Israelites were instructed to, to take a lamb and, and to slay that lamb and to place the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of their home. And when God saw the blood of the lamb, we are told that he would pass over them. And it would be that final plague that God would deliver his children out of Egyptian bondage through it. And when that night came for all of this to happen, what God said would happen did indeed happen. It's tragic for the Egyptians. Pharaoh called Moses after he lost his firstborn in chapter 12, in verse 31, and he says to this to him, Rise up and get you forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as ye have said. In other words, he's saying, Get out of here. Then in verse 33, and the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we be all dead men. My point is this, God delivered Israel out of Egypt. 
This was a day that God wanted his children to never forget. Uh, don't ever forget this. So what did he do in order to, uh, to get them uh, uh, to remember this day? He instituted the Passover feast. I read it in verse 14 of our text. And this day shall be unto uh, you for uh, and this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep the keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. God instructed the Jews uh, to every single year uh, to observe this Passover as a memorial uh, of their deliverance to to remember the great deliverance that God provided them. I think you know where I'm going with this. Simple. You're here today, this morning, and you're saved, and you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Understand that you and I were once in a much worse bondage. By that I mean it was not a temporary physical bondage, but an eternal spiritual bondage. Do we remember, do we understand what we were before we were saved? And think about it for a moment. God describes in Ephesians 2, 2, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That's me and that's you. Verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of, of Israel and strangers from the covenants of province, having uh, no hope and without God in the world. Uh, he describes us before we are saved as a hopeless people. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Do you know one of the characteristics of a lost person is a fear of death? You remember that? Not knowing what would happen after you died. Not knowing what the Bible, before you knew Christ. Not knowing what the Bible says about that. And you fear dying. You fear death. You wonder what's beyond the grave. When you get saved, that all, it gets all cleared up, doesn't it? You see, God, even though that was our condition, what we were, uh, God, in his great love uh, and mercy to us, uh, chose to leave the glories of heaven and and come to this earth uh, and take upon himself the form of a man uh, uh, in Jesus Christ and go to the cross of Calvary and shed his blood for our sins, to die for all of our sins. Why did he do that? To deliver us from the bondage to sin and an eternity in hell. And we must never, ever forget what God has delivered us from. Never. By the way, we could say to forget means to not give the attention it deserves. You may be here saying, well, I didn't forget it, I remember. But let me ask you this. Are you giving it the attention it deserves? Think about what you were and what I was. And what he did for us. Preacher once told this story. Shortly after the Korean War, a Korean woman had an affair with an American soldier and got pregnant. 
He went back to the United States and she, was, and she never saw him again. She had given birth to a little girl and this little girl looked different than the others. The other Korean children noticed that she did not have the same eyes, did not have the same hair color. And in that culture, children of mixed race were ostracized by the community. Matter of fact, many women would kill their children because they didn't want them to face such rejection. It was a harsh life. But this woman didn't do that. She tried to raise her little girl as best as she could, and this went on for seven years. But then the rejection started taking its toll. Finally, this unwed mother did something that probably nobody in this room could ever imagine doing. She abandoned her little girl to the streets at seven years old. For the next two years, this little girl had to figure out life in a hard world, which was made for her even harder because she was obviously different. After wandering around for two years at nine years old, two things happened that changed this little girl's life. The first was that this girl found an orphanage that took her in. Now she would not have to make food, clothing, and shelter her daily pursuit. But there was a second thing that happened, and that was within a few days of her arrival in the orphanage, word came that a couple from America was going to adopt a little boy. All the children in the orphanage got excited. Anytime they heard that someone was coming to adopt anyone, uh, they all got tremendously excited about this because they thought, well, at least someone, one of us is going to have hope. And so the little girl, being a little older, some of the people that ran the orphanage got the older kids to, to help, uh, uh, help to polish up those little boys, you know, to make them look good for this couple that was coming in. And so she helped with giving them baths and combing their hair and making sure their clothes were just right. And everyone was wondering, all the kids, who's it going to be? Which little boy would this couple choose? The couple arrived and everybody was excited. And here's how the girl described it in her own words. She said, quote, I saw the man with his huge hands lift up each and every baby. I knew he loved every one of them as if they were his own. I saw tears running down his face and I, I knew if they could, they would have taken the whole lot home with them. And then he saw me out of the corner of his eye. I was nine years old, but I didn't even weigh 30 pounds. I was a scrawny thing. I had worms in my body, lice in my hair, boils all over me, and I was full of scars. I was not a pretty sight. But the man came over to me and began saying things I did not understand in English. I looked up at him and thought, what's he saying? I, la I later found out that he was saying this. I want this child. This child's for me. That man and that woman adopted that girl. And she said, that's a day I'll never forget. You see, isn't that the way all of us should feel when we think of our Savior? Isn't that the way all of us should think? I mean, think about it. Our, our Heavenly Father redeemed someone uh, who was unwanted, who, who was unworthy, uh, who was filled with sin and had absolutely nothing to offer Him. 
Yeah, yet in his love, uh, he delivered us. He saved us. He's forgiven us. He's given us a home in heaven. He's made us his own. We have been adopted by him. We should all say, praise the Lord. Something we should always remember. You know, sometimes after you're saved for a while, you forget what you were. You start getting up on that high horse and about how good of a Christian you are and how good a Christian I am. The truth of the matter is we're nothing. And that's who he saved. He saved a nobody like me and you. And we should never forget that. So we are to remember, number one, God's deliverance. There's a second thing I I think there's a memorial of. And go to Joshua chapter 4 if you would. Because there's another thing that you and I should remember. And not only is it God's deliverance, but it's number two, God's deeds. Look at Joshua chapter 4, and we'll pick it up in verse 5 through 7. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. That this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. So we see in Exodus chapter 12, there was a first thing uh, uh, that God wanted them to remember. Never forget, never forget that I delivered you out of the, uh, the Egyptian's hand. And now here's the second thing I want you to remember. Remember my deeds. You see, the children of Israel were finally crossing over into the promised land. It had been a long journey for them. All those years in the wilderness and that whole generation uh, dying. uh, But in order to cross, uh, to get into the promised land, they had to cross the Jordan River. But it was the rainy season at that time in Jerusalem. And the Jordan River during the rainy season would overflow its banks. uh, And it was absolutely impossible for people to cross it and live, particularly elderly and smaller folks. How in the world could two million people uh, uh, cross uh, and all their, their belongings uh, uh, cross over it? Here's the answer. God. God had to do something uh, miraculous. Uh, and so God instructs the Israelites to have the priests lead the procession uh, and carry that Ark of the Covenant uh, down into the, into the water. And when the priests would dip the foot, uh, uh, their foot into the, into the Jordan River, uh, God would miraculously stop, miraculously stop the waters up on the Jordan River. And they would all cross over on dry ground. Can you imagine seeing that? I know that God had told the priest to stay a certain distance, if my memory is right. It's nearly a mile ahead, so everybody could watch. And they're watching. Could you see as they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant, and that first priest goes and he puts his foot in the water, and the moment he does that, all of a sudden the waters stop. And they stand in the middle of the water and each one of them, one after the other, uh, probably for days uh, uh, crossing over. And they all, every one of them did. 
And then when that last person crosses over, the the priest with the Ark of the Covenant step out, uh, and here comes the waters of the Jordan River flowing back down again. It was a miracle. And God says this to the Israelites. He says, I want you, each of your leaders of the tribes, uh, as you pass through, to pick up a big stone, uh, a big one you can carry. I want you to carry it over into the camp. uh, And I want you to do something with those stones. Uh, I want you to pile them up uh, in a certain way uh, and build a memorial out of those stones. Why? So they wouldn't forget this great deed that God has done for them. Again, look at verse 7. He says, and these stones at the end of the verse shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel. Notice, forever. You see, God not only wants us to remember that He saved us and He delivered us, but He also wants us to remember what He's done for us in our lives. Our God has done great things for all of us. Psalm 126 and verse 3, the Bible says, The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Psalm 66 and verse 5 says, Come and see the works of God. We sing the hymn quite often, one of my favorites, To to God be the glory. And the words say, To God be the glory. Great things He hath done. But you know what our problem is quite often? Perhaps I should just speak for myself, but I assume all of us. That we forget. We forget. And I think it's a good thing for all of us uh, to remember, uh, stop and think back for a moment and rehearse uh, uh, maybe to your spouse or or to uh, your children or even in your own mind uh, uh, the great things, the many great things that God has done for us. Think of the spouse that he led us to. Think of the family he has provided for us. Uh, Think of the children that God has blessed you you with. Uh, You say, well, they're kind of rough at times. Well, well, ask, ask the mom who can't have kids. And see how appreciative she would be just to have one. Uh, Think of the grandchildren that he's uh, uh, blessed us with. Uh, uh, Think of the measure of health uh, that he's given to all of us. Uh, Think of the job he has provided. Think of the home he has provided. Uh, uh, Think of all the prayers uh, uh, that he has answered. Uh, Think of the country that we were born in. I know it's so easy at this time to say things and look down upon things and making us do this and making us do that. Well, try being born in communist China. How do you think that would feel? We ought to be thankful that we live in America. We ought to be thankful where we've been born. Uh, uh, Maybe God uh, uh, has saved your children and your grandchildren. Great things He has done. Amen? Maybe He's called you into the ministry. What a great thing that is. How about the ministry uh, that he's allowed you to to, to serve in, uh, to serve him in? You see, there are so many things uh, that God has done for us, uh, and we must stop and remember those things again and again and again. The problem is we live in such an entitlement society. 
And we focus more on what we don't have than what we do have. What we haven't gotten yet instead of all the things we, we, have, we have. I think God needs to fix us sometimes to remember His deeds. It's been so good to us. It's been so good to us. And then there's one last thing. Not only are we to remember God's deliverance and God's deeds, go over to Leviticus, back to Leviticus chapter 23. The third thing I want us to think about that God wants us to remember is our dependence upon him. Look at Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 33. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of this seventh month shall be, notice, the Feast of Tabernacles. By the way, that's also known as the Feast of Booths, Booths, for seven days unto the Lord. On the first day shall be an holy convocation. Ye shall do no several servile work therein. Seven days ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. On the eighth day shall be an holy convocation unto you. And ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. It is a solemn assembly. And ye shall do no servile work therein. And go over to verse 41 if you would. And ye shall keep it a feast unto the Lord seven days in the year. It shall be a statute for Forever in your generations. Ye shall celebrate it in the seventh month. Ye shall dwell in booths seven days. All that are Israelites born shall dwell in booths. Here it is. That your generations may know. Can I put it this way? Remember that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. You see, there are seven uh, uh, feasts that the children of Israel in the Old Testament were, were commanded to keep. Uh, there was the Feast of the Passover. I spoke of that in Exodus chapter 12. Followed that, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Then there was the Feast of First Fruits. Uh, then there was the Feast of Pentecost. Then there was a Feast of Trumpets. Uh, then there was a Day of Atonement. And the seventh one was the Feast of Tabernacles, as I said, or booze. And these feasts were to be perpetual feasts for Israel. In other words, it wasn't just to be done in Exodus chapter 12 or Leviticus chapter 23. They were to be done every year, every year in perpetuity. Why? To be a memorial. To remember something. What's this, what's this mean? Think about it. The Feast of Tabernacles, the Israelites were to begin it on the 15th day of the seventh month, a seven-day feast. They were to offer offerings, and they were to do something very interesting. They were to dwell in booths. You say, what's that? The only booth I ever remember was a phone booth or a photo booth. I don't think they even have them anymore. But what, what, what is a booth? A, a booth was a temporary dwelling made out of the branches of palm trees and willows. So imagine that. All the people that had houses in Jerusalem would have to move out and build for themselves out of palm leaves and twigs and so forth a, a makeshift house and move their family in there for seven days. 
You say, it sounds like punishment to me. It actually wasn't punishment. It was for a reminder. Because God was reminding them how they lived when they went, lived in the wilderness going from place to place where they had absolutely nothing, but it was a wilderness, hence the name wilderness. And all along the way, God provided. There's no Walmart. There's no Target. There was no run down to get a gallon of milk. Nothing in the wilderness. Their clothes didn't even wear out. Their shoes didn't even wear out. I wish I could get a pair of them, you know. They had to live in total dependence upon God. And God said this, I want you to do that every year. Why? So you don't get the idea that what you have is because of you. You understand that everything you have is because of me. And you recognize once again that you are dependent upon me. We need that today, don't we? Because we like to be self-dependent. We like and uh, we endorse, in fact, we lift up uh, the self-made people. The man that's a success, we lift them up. The truth of the matter is, no one is anything without God. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ said in John 15, 5, and I pray this often as a reminder uh, to myself, where he said, without me, ye can do nothing. And here as we think of things to remember this Memorial Day, yes, uh, honor those that have given their lives for us. Remember them, no doubt. But let's not forget those memorials God has given to us uh, about uh, our deliverance. Uh, uh, that's very, very important. And here, our dependence upon Him. You know, we depend upon God for everything. Our health, our life, our breath, our finances. I mean, we need his wisdom uh, to make decisions. Uh, we need his direction for life. Uh, we need direction for our church. Uh, uh, we need him if we're going to teach the word of God and preach the word of God and minister to others. Uh, we need him if we're going to sing. We need him to be a parent, a grandparent, to be the right kind of spouse. We need him for everything. We can't do a thing without him. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, And all things are of God, and they are. Colossians 1.16, For by him were all things created uh, that are in heaven and that are in earth, uh, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And I believe God wants us to remember that we need him. For everything in life. Folks, we have a wonderful God we serve. Oh, his grace and his mercy to us. God's memorials. May we never forget the things he wants us to remember. I wonder this morning if God is whispering in our ears like that soldier whispered in that medic's ears. Remember me. Remember me. Remember my deliverance. Remember my deeds.
and remember your dependence upon me. That will change your whole attitude towards things in life if we remember those things. Let's pray together. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Pulpit. 2 Timothy chapter 4 says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. We pray that through the challenging preaching of the Word of God today, that you will be encouraged to stay faithful in preaching the Word and hearing the Word. Lester Roloff many years ago said, the world's greatest need is preaching preachers. Let's pray that in this day and this hour, we will stay faithful to the preaching of Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening to The Baptist Pulpit.